From Johannesburg to Jerusalem, the world is always changing, growing and innovating. Join Benji Shulman for the next hour as he brings you the trendsetters, the thought leaders and those creating news before it happens. Only on the New Blue Review, your favorite Jewish culture and current affairs show. Every Monday at 9 a.m. right here on 101.9 High FM. On the line, Rob Hutchinson from dear South Africa. Rob, how are you doing? Good morning, Benji. Fantastically well and yourself. I am doing very, very well. Thank you for joining us today. Now, Rob, talk to us a big, important piece of legislation, quite controversial, as always. You don't like to bring us the power of stuff, Rob. <laughs> uh, is the hate speech bill, which people are able to comment on. Give us a bit of background. What is the hate speech bill all about? Well, actually, it's the hate crimes and hate speech bill, which was uh, brought about in Parliament after a court uh, court judgment against um the the late South African ambassador to Uganda, uh, which was uh, I think it was Kalani, John Kalani, and he he brought he made some uh, or should I say uh, worrying comments about the the gay community and that that prompted a relook at hate crimes and hate speeches in in South Africa, and then Parliament uh, proposed it was around about 2019 Parliament proposed a an amendment bill which was called the Hate Crimes and Hate Speech Bill. And that fell fell away because of the elections and the change changeover in, in Parliament from the 5th to the 6th. But, however, it has now been uh, brought back in, into Parliament and opened for, for public discussion after pressure from, from civil rights groups about uh, bringing that in. So the Concord actually gave... Uh, Parliament about two years to amend amend the piece of legislation, and obviously there's been a bit of delay in in that. So this is where we are. We have the Prevention and Combating of Hate Crimes and Hate Speech Bill, which is proposing um, to make uh, to actually create the offences of hate crime and another offence of of hate speech, which did not pre- uh, previously exist uh, before before this court judgment. So this bill proposes how that, that should be laid out, what the offences are, what constitutes an offence, and the measures that should be taken to uh, prevent and to combat hate crime and, and hate speech. Now, the concern is is around um, the broadness of, of the definitions within this bill, as anything could be uh, cons- construed as, as hate crimes if someone gets offended by what has been said by another individual, that could be that could be hate speech. There's also concerns around um, the measures that have been taken to prevent hate crimes and hate speech, as that does seem a, a bit preemptive. How do you prevent a crime that might happen? Yeah, you know, we seem to be seeing a lot of this uh, this type of preemptive measures entering into legislation as as we progress through through towards a. Uh, I don't know, totalitarian state as, as we see it. You know, you can't preempt crimes because it just doesn't make any, any sense as, as we go forward. Legislation and laws are supposed to be applied when something has happened. So there's a lot of concerns around this bill from various pressure groups, but a lot of support from, from other groups who, who might see an, an advantage, especially in, uh, towards hate speech being committed against them or their communities. Now, interestingly, with the Kualani bill, the, the Concord actually ruled as much as he had committed hate speech, they actually threw out a number of provisions which 
had widened the ambit of what constitutes hate speech. Uh, so it's interesting to hear that the bill that's being put in terms of parliament is being criticized for having too many provisions that restrict speech that may or may not, in fact, be hate speech in the first place. And and that was the problem with the previous bill that fell away before parliament. So are you saying that what they're putting on the table is, is a sort of rinse and repeat and we haven't really learned our lesson from the last argument around how the hate speech bill was supposed to be promulgated? That would appear to be the case. And if you read through the bill, it, it is extremely broad. And it, we can understand why. It's, it's very difficult to, to compartmentalize what exactly is hate speech because it differs from person to person. Then the broad definition here is if, if I feel offended by something that you have said, then it might be construed as, as hate speech under, under the provisions which they, they have put in here. And they, they've listed quite, quite a few, uh, quite, quite a few uh, categories of, of hate speech or hate crime. And there could be uh, persons who share the said characteristics of age, albinism, birth, color, culture, disability, ethnic or social origin, gender or status or gender or gender identity, HIV status, language, nationality, migrant or refugee status, occupational trade, political affiliation or conviction, race, religion, sex, which includes intersex or sexual orientation. So it's pretty broad. And you can, if you feel offended enough, I'm sure you could somehow fit into one of these, these categories here and then take action against someone that has made an offensive remark or comment. And the, that offensive remark or comment can be um, on social media or in so, a social a social media group, on a WhatsApp group or Telegram group or anything else as such. So it's a rather concerning uh, piece of legislation, which um, I think it's going to have to go through rigorous public debate in order to narrow down those definitions once again, as we did with the previous one. Over the weekend, tons of stuff coming out, two crucial things that are going to be uh, coming out this week, which I think could completely change the tempo of South African life if they go one way or the other. Two pieces of court legislation that I want your or decisions rather that I want your opinion on. The one is the Concord decision about if we're going to have a a uh, a request by the IEC to to postpone the elections to February and if the Concord can even do that. And then the ANC not getting in its candidates on time, having to go to the electoral court. If both of these decisions go the wrong way or the right way, depending, I suppose, on which side of the aisle you are, but if they decide to declare an election in basically what amounts to a month and a half and they tell the ANC that they can't register some 300-odd uh, councillors in, in a number of municipalities, that's going to mean that we're going to have six weeks of of, com- of organized parties basically campaigning from zero to everything and guaranteed outcomes that certain municipalities are going to shift. Without a doubt. And I think it's going to be a really interesting time uh, between now and, and the elections. Look, to change or to alter the date of, of the elections is going to require an amendment to the constitution itself. And that poses major problems because that's, that is no, no, um, short process. That takes a considerable amount of time, a considerable amount of public engagement, and there are definite uh, processes that need to be followed. How they plan to do that, uh, within the space of now and between the elections, they, they, they proposed postponing them until February. There's, there's just no way that, that, that will happen. These, those kind of, um, amendments to the constitution, 
will will take at least a year to two years. So that's that's in, in itself is is a problem. Um, personally, I, I don't think the elections will be uh, postponed. I think it's, it's it poses too too many too many problems and uh, too many processes to processes to follow. Uh, as far as election campaigning is going, that is going to be an interesting and fun time. I see a lot of political parties have already started campaigning with their posters and social media messaging and and so on. Yet there is a definite lack from of, of campaigning from the likes of the EFF and and the ANC themselves. They 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 were definitely given a, a deadline, which is cast in stone pretty much for for the uh, to submit their candidate lists to the IEC. If they miss those, um, I think there are other opportunities where they they can submit them at a later stage. They can apply for uh, special provisions, but whether the IEC will grant them with the uh, before the court has passed down this judgment is is also up for question. So yeah, it's it's we're all hanging in the in the unknown right now, which it pr- provides some great opportunities for opposition parties and, and their campaigning, but does po- pose problems for for the ANC and and the likes of. Yeah, absolutely, and it's going to be a fascinating time to watch. Uh, Rob, who are you going to be talking to this week on your show? I have no idea at this stage, Bendy, but <laughs> it's definitely going to be a conversation around the postponement of the elections again. Uh, we, I chatted with Helen Ziller previously, and last week was, was Kieran, Kieran Ryan, and got some great insight as to, to what's happening there. But I'd like to uh, go in more in depth onto this hate, hate crimes and, and hate speech bill as it is a quite a sensitive topic from from both sides. So it will definitely be, I reckon, a, a topic around around that or a discussion with someone who is quite familiar with, with hate crimes and hate speech. And Rob, if people want to comment on, on that particular bill, uh, how do they go about doing that? Well, we've set up a, a easy-to-use portal, as, as usual, on, on our website at dsouthafrica.co.za which sends your comment directly through to to the ministry and registered as an official uh, submission on on this bill and that's on on our website dsafrica.co.za Right, well, there you go. Take the opportunity to go and comment. Just make sure that it doesn't fall foul of any hate speech. 